Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Thank you for popping in over on Facebook at Transformation Talk Radio. Um, I I just got to come out of the gate and say a couple of things. Very special guest joining me here today. Jacqueline Newman is going to be... We seem to have this new term now in Facebook and broadcasting popping in. Well, she's actually my very special guest today. And we're going to be talking about a topic uh, for the most part, for those of you out there that you have heard me talk about for almost 10 years now. And I started the conversation uh, many years ago when I was looking at chronic illness and divorce rates. And why was I doing that? Because I went through a period of time where many of you have heard my healing story And on top of a healing story, you find yourself in a partnership where it just doesn't work out anymore. It's like all of a sudden you're really, really sick and you're like, partner's like, I'm out of here. But wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it about that and that level of broadcasting that we did on this topic that fast forward to where we are today and the reason that we absolutely needed to bring an expert, fantastic divorce attorney joining us here today to talk about this. Because you know, it's one thing to have a conversation about divorce, it's another thing to really provide support. And that's what we're talking about here, Divorce Women's Club, how to find quality support before, during, and after divorce. Now I wanna tell you, we need to be listening to this today. We need to have a true understanding about what true sisterhood is. But more importantly, this is a thing. This is really a thing. You know, the coronavirus and the quarantines going on right now are no different than what we talked about a decade ago, except except that the situations around this are unprecedented, unprecedented when you take two people that probably haven't spent 10 hours together in a row, and there you are. Jacqueline Newman joining me here today is somebody that doesn't just talk about this, but is out there bringing the badge of courage that I believe is necessary to have these honest, authentic conversations. She has been everywhere. She's been on Fox News, Fox Business, NBC News, ABC News, New York Times. But is anybody really talking about this for real and with what I like to talk about, street smart sense? Jacqueline, great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. So this is a scenario that in your best laid plans, let's just say if you had best laid plans and you had your like vision board out 
and you, you planned out your great business and your great career and you've got it all laid out. How predictable could we have been about what you're about to share with us today and what's happening with divorces given the quarantine and where we are? I mean, I don't think anyone would have predicted this. I think that this is just, as you said earlier, it is completely unprecedented. You know, I have a ton of clients that say, well, what have you done in situations like this? I said, there's never been a situation like this. I said, I don't know. Um, and, you know, and, and I like what you said originally about street smarts, because I really think that that's what people need to be using right now is their street smarts, because, you know, courts are closed, so we're not getting a lot of guidance from the courts. We don't have a lot of recourse. And so people are a little bit on their own, saying it's a little, we're in a little bit of the Wild West, but if people use their street smarts, and if they ultimately, like, kind of keep their heads on straight and realize that, you know, as crazy and scary as this all is, and it is crazy and scary, the fact is we will get through this. And we are going to end up on the other side of it. And so what you're doing now and how you're handling yourself now will have impacts on the future. And so you need to be smart. You need to kind of take a moment. You need to breathe. You need to realize it's a flipping time and be smart about how you move forward. Yeah. You know, I love that you're on here talking with us today because um, yesterday, Benny and I, we were talking a little bit about what we're planning as a network, right? You know, one of the things that you probably don't know about us is that we are a network that is 10 years old and we have a technology that's going to allow us by tomorrow, we will have an entire channel dedicated called uh, COVID-19 podcast. And it's going to be a channel and we're going to invite people like you, hundreds of people to post messages and do a show. Because here's what we're finding. You know, those people that are in those situations you just talked about? The place that they're getting their information is going to be on some level of television that they may be able to tune into, which is giving one sense of information, or they're tuning in to some other kind of vehicle that they're trying to connect with somewhere. But where are people going for help with what you're talking about? Where is somebody going? I mean, it is a huge problem. I mean, this all happens so fast. I don't think people were really in a situation where they could be properly prepared. And I think it's great that you're doing something like that. And I feel like, you know, at least, you know, I'm, we're in New York. So this is just all started. I mean, really, really started. You know, like last week, I felt like people were just in full shock. I think the shock is still existing today, but with slowing down and now people are starting to say, okay, I'm getting ready to prepare for my new normal. What's this going to look like? And what do I need to do? And give it a week or two. I think people are going to be functioning in the new normal, but you're right right now. Everyone doesn't know where to turn. And I, I agree with you. I think that people, you know, depending on, you know, what kind of news you want to hear, you watch certain, you know, certain shows that are going to feed to the news that you want to hear. But that might not be the right news. And so it's just important that people really get straight talk, as you're saying. And I think it's also really important that people still connect because, you know, one of the things that's so scary about this is not, you know, the social distancing is creating a lot of social anxiety, as you can imagine, and also putting people in, a, in an unnatural state. And so connection is going to be very important to continue, but so is information. And so I think we have to figure out a way to do both. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, you and I, 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 I was born in New York. I was brought up in the Bronx. I lived in New York. I know what it's like to live on the streets, to grow up in a project. Um, lived on the East Coast most of my life, ended up in Seattle because I thought I was going to go to school here after losing my job with the phone company. Remember when we used to call things like a phone company? <laughs> Remember when phone company used to be like a thing? 
Yeah, barely. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're like so much younger than me. Uh, no, no, no. But my team is like, okay, Pat, please don't say phone. We we don't call them phones anymore. Can you just? But I have to say phone because yeah. that was the thing then. Just like we have to be straight out and talking about things. I want to ask you this. You have a ton of experience as a New York City divorce lawyer, right? You're experienced in New York matrimony. You're a law expert. You have seen so many things. What can you pull from what you've seen to at least help folks say, look, folks, beware if this starts to happen in your relationship? Right. So, you know, I mean, even though I think that things are going to get escalated to a much faster degree than what would have happened in, call it, normal circumstances, mm. the same process is going to happen to some degree. I mean, what you have is you have people that start to question their relationship, question communication, question, you know, the way that they're interacting with each other, question the way they're parenting. All the questions still happen. What happens in normal life is kind of, again, what you had said earlier, is that most people don't spend 10 hours together. And so you don't get answers to those questions so quickly because you're in a situation where, you know, people, you know, especially when they're raising children, I call it the business of raising children. You know, you really kind of are in that situation where people, you know, they see each other in the morning, maybe for two seconds, they see each other maybe in the evening for two seconds, but that's it. You know, on weekends, everybody catches up and says, Hey, you know, how was your week? But now, now everyone's living together. And now not only are you living together, you're living together in unnatural terms. You're living together with incredible uncertainty and you know, your children are home. So you're having this, this scenario that can be really good for some people. So I don't want to make it sound like it's the worst thing for everyone. And I think no. there actually are great opportunities here too. But for those that are on the edge and those that don't have functional relationships and those that are questioning a lot, I think that they're going to get their answers very fast. But some of their answers aren't going to be accurate. So if you're like, let's say you question the way that, you know, your child is parented. One spouse doesn't like the way that the other one speaks to the child, whatever it is. That is now going to be escalated to such a degree because now everyone's on top of each other. You have two parents often that are working from home, which is not what they normally do. You have kids that are back from college. You have kids that are in school. You're trying this homeschool, you know, situation. I mean, you know, and I can tell you, I'm living it myself. My husband and I are both working from home. I have two middle school age children. They're, you know, right now we're all in our separate corners. You know, <laughs> But, you know, and there are good things to the degree we're having dinner together, which, you know, my husband and I have two busy careers. We don't always have dinner together with our family and it's very beaver cleaver, which also is probably not going to make sense to a lot of your listeners. But um, <laughs> I'm right there with you, though. I got it. <laughs> and so, you know, we're having these dinners and it's very nice. And, you know, there's no phones allowed at the table. And so I'm actually speaking to my children on a daily basis. You know, what they did today is not as active because we all know what we all did today. But it's nice, you know, so there's that nice element to it. But then there's a not nice element to it. Then you have a lot of people that are, you know, scolding their children. You know, you have children, you know, my kids are self-starters, which thank God, because if they weren't, I don't even know what that would be happening. But when you have kids that aren't going on the computer, that aren't, you know, doing their things, you got one parent yelling, you know, especially if I'm going to be sexist for a moment. Let's just say the mother was the primary caretaker and really more in charge of homework and things and the father wasn't as involved. Now you have the father turning to the mother saying, why aren't they doing all their homework? And the mother saying, you're right here. Like, why aren't you involved? And you can see how all of this is going to escalate to such a degree. And again, those questions that you might've been asking me for are going to be answered. And they're going to be answered fast and they're going to be answered. And now you have your answers and you're trapped. And what do you do then? And that's just going to, I mean, the escalation of this is going to be so huge, which is again, 
my advice to everyone in this situation is to sit back and breathe and yeah. not necessarily say that just because everything is so escalated that it means that this is what life will be like after. I mean, I can't tell you what will happen after, but I can tell you that we're in an artificial situation right now. And I don't think that this should be the message that you should think is going to be projected throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. I, w I love that I'm talking with you about this because one of the things I'm going to explore, you know, during the show is there are things we can learn about this. Benny and I were doing a show yesterday um, because one of my guests, we didn't know where she was. So we kind of ad libbed. And I was going through this list of things that you can do when you're home, right? It's a really fun list, too. Um, and, and it's really cool. It's a cool list. But I was sharing a story, and, and this story may seem so benign, right? But it's very telling, Jacqueline. It's a story about the dad that was jumping in, helping, making the pe you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? You know, coming in on the table, getting the bread, making the sandwiches for the kid. He goes through and he does the whole thing, right? Looking really good and gives them to the kid and one of the, uh, the, the kids and you know, the young boy looks at the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and looks up at his dad. And, and I mean, this is, a, this is a little funny story, but it was sad for the dad. When the dad was telling me this story, he was almost in tears, right? And he's telling me the story and he says, you know, I'm not going to say the kid's name. And, and the kid looked up and said, dad, dad, mom would know this. I don't like strawberry jam. And when the dad's telling me this story, I get my, kudos to the dad for making the, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So, right. But these are some of the really silly things almost, right, that parents are going to run into. And what we want to say to folks is, look, you can't take all this personally, right? Easier said than done? Yeah, absolutely easier said than done. But I will tell you that story happens in normal life too. Yep. So, so I represent, you know, obviously men, well not obviously, but I represent men and women. And, you know, what will happen very often, and, and we, you know, again, I practice in New York, we deal in the high net worth space. So I deal with a lot of Wall Street, like a ton of Wall Street cases. And so very often, you know, I'll have the Wall Street dad who, you know, is working a lot and not involved in the day-to-day -day caretaking of the kids. And what ends up happening upon divorce is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I'm going to be sexist and saying this with fathers, but it can be mothers too, but specific on the, for the purposes of this and ease, I'm going to say fathers. Fathers, you know, learn to be much better parents because they have to. Because what ends up happening is that very often when you're in a functional family and if the mother is the primary caretaker, she buffers a lot of it. So she buffers conversation. She buffers, um, she'd be the one making the sandwiches. And so dad doesn't have to know about the strawberry jam. And so what ends up happening is that when they're divorcing, the father's one-on-one -on -one with the kids. He's got to learn how to communicate with his kids. But a lot of times they're scared. Like I get fathers that, you know, feel awful because they feel like, how could I not know how to take care of my child? How could I not know what song makes, you know, my daughter stop crying or what's the favorite stuffed animal? Like, how could I not know that I'm here, but you're not really paying attention. And what I say a lot of them is like, you need to learn. Like your wife's not going to be able to go into your job first day and just know what to do. Like you need to accept the fact that you're going to have to learn these things and you should learn them and you will learn them. And, you know, and in a nice situation, you have enough of a relationship with your, you know, your ex-spouse that you can talk about it. You can say, oh, my God, she's crying. What song should I do? Or what, why was this color crayon not the right color crayon? I thought she liked this color. Well, that was last week. You know, like, I mean, right. 
you know, but I think that, you know, in a, again, a nice situation when people can't communicate, they don't want to accept the fact that they're not as involved as the spouse has been telling them they haven't been involved the entire time. So a lot of times they don't ask questions and then they have a really loud kid, you know, until they figure it out. But they do figure it out. And I actually, you know, and again, when I represent a lot of moms who are like, they had no nothing, they're never going to be able to take care of the kid. I said, they will, you know, and I, and I talk about this, you know, in my book, I talk a lot about the fact of like, you know, their ponytail, their pink tails may come back and they may be crooked, but they'll survive. You know, the socks might not match, but that's okay. You know, at the end of the day, the kids are surviving and the parents are learning. Every, it's a new job for everyone. And I think that this experience is going to teach everyone new jobs. Yeah. It's going to be a new level of appreciation, I hope, in everyone's roles. Um, yeah, yeah. And I want to be very clear about something else that nobody is really talking about, but let's you and I kind of talk about it if we could. The stuff you and I are talking about, it applies across the board to marriages, whether you are a same-sex marriage or your opposite sex marriage. We are talking about the dynamics across the board. And a lot of times, you know, I, I live in the Seattle area. This is an enormous LGBTQ um, environment here. And sometimes we fall into the trap that, you know, if it's happening over here for, you know, the man and women couples, well, it's not really happening over here for these folks. And I think that we just need to say to everybody today, it, it, it happens for everybody. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm using this for the ease of pronouns, but yeah. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. We do a lot of same sex marriages and divorce, I mean, prenups and divorces as well. And yeah, the, the dynamics, it doesn't, it doesn't matter your gender. It's just the dynamics exist. However, you break it out of one person is normally the primary caretaker of the children. It's just kind of, you know, one person falls more into that role than the other, even if you have two working parents, you know, and so even forgetting gender, I mean, you can have two people that are completely working, have very successful jobs, but one parent is just the go-to parent. It just kind of happens. You know, can I ask you this question? Because this is a listener question that just came in and we're getting uh, questions that are coming in. I, I would like to bring them up here from our fat. We have great listeners. You know, this is a 16 year listening audience here. So I want to get some of the questions on. Hey, Dr. Pat, this is Joe Lee. Hey, uh, would you ask, okay, so somebody gave you an, a little nickname. I don't know if you go by Jackie, but just, oh, no, just saying, I, I know we're not going to do it. Lee. I'm going with Jacqueline. I mean, come on, right? Uh, I don't go by Patricia, but you know, so here's what they say. They're asking the question. This is a very, very important, this is a very, very important conversation. Can you ask Jacqueline to address the fact that the how we go about things might be even more important to the what or the end result? Ooh. That is a fantastic question. Oh. <laughs> we should get this person on. Um, that is a great Hey, yeah, call in if you want to call in. 1-800-930-2819. You could call in or you could go over to Facebook and type your comments and questions in. Uh, you know, th these 16-year listeners, they know how to get me through my cell phone, just saying. But that's a great question. It's a great question. And you couldn't be more right. I am a big, big believer in the how. I think word choice, I think, the way you do things is what dictates everything. Um, and again, I just, I, I can't emphasize that enough. And I actually will role play with clients a lot about word choice. I will edit clients' emails. I mean, I think that communication is the key to everything. I, and marriage, divorce, 100% parenting, everything. But so, yeah, so I think the how of it. I think that, you know, you think about what your goal is and your communication with the person you think about or whatever you're looking to do. And then you think about how is the best way to get to it. 
you know, and there, and people, you know, everybody has a different way they want to be spoken to. You know, some people, you know, want more directness. Some people need more coddling, like, and that's fine. As long as you know who your audience is, it's know your audience is really the biggest key to it. Um, but the how is very, very important. And I agree a lot of times it's much more important than you know, even where you're going because how you speak to someone or how you handle a certain circumstance is going to be the memory that's going to move forward. And yeah. so you handle something properly and you are respectful to someone and you are direct and direct in a way that they can hear you then the next time that something comes up, you know, you'll be able to, they'll listen to you so much easier, you know, because now you've already gained the respect that, you yeah. know, before. Yeah. I want to ask you about something um, uh, that is directly related to the work you do. And then also I want to talk at the Divorce Women's Club as well. One of the things that I want to address here and really have you, you know, help people with this today is yesterday during the show, I was sharing with folks that, you know, when I went back to school after that phone company career, I was, I was in the phone company like 24 and a half years, right? That's like a long time. I started as a little baby, but, uh, and I'm one of these people, I work my way up, right? I mean, I come from the projects. I was homeless at 17. You know, my mom commits suicide when I'm six. You know, I went to the phone company because they don't fire, fire people. But here I was and I worked my way up to the point where, I found a conscience in my life. So I go back to school and what do I study? The consequences of broken promises. And here's what I wanna talk with you about. If there was one area that I, that I could talk to couples and families right now that are in the room with us, like all y'all in the room with us, I would talk about what it means to keep your word, keep your promises, right? And do things the best you can to the to the best that you the best knowledge you have to do that but when we are in the environments we're in now and the conversation you're taking on right this is something that has not happened before the last time something like this happened and we did an entire broadcast on it was 2009 2008 right during that period but this is really different. And I've got to ask you this question because here's a question that just came in and I want to bring it to you from Bob. Bob, is that you, Bob? Bob from Tacoma? Bob? Yeah, Bob. I think it's Bob. It's like abbreviated. Uh, hey, Dr. Pat and hi, Jacqueline. Um, here's the question that I want to ask. We just heard on the news. We just heard on the news that all will be over by Easter. So are you both saying perhaps we should just hang on that that is the light at the end of the tunnel for us married people with the, I think this is a word, a gangle, gangle of kids. So that's an interesting question, right? Like it's going to be over, he, uh, Bob says at Easter. Thank you, Bob from Tacoma. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know if I share that view. I think <laughs> that, um, I have heard that there has been, you know, that the president had talked about liking it to be done by Easter. I think we'd all like it to be done by Easter. I think that's an unrealistic goal from what I'm hearing. At least I can speak to New York. I mean, from what I'm hearing from yeah. the authorities here that, you know, Easter is not going to be, it's not a realistic time frame. But I think that is, you know, what Bob is bringing up. And I do think that this is part of the many stressors that we're dealing with is that the anxiety of the unknown. Because if we knew that Easter was the day, I think people have handled this a million times better because then there is light at the tunnel. We know we're done. Everybody, you know, I always say, like when I talk about, you know, even when I'm exercising, I say, well, I can do anything for five minutes. 
You know, like, I mean, it's that kind of feeling. I don't think that Easter is probably going to be it. I hope that it is. I mean, look, that would be fantastic. I think that's unrealistic, though. And I think that if people, what I don't want to happen is that people, you know, set their sights on Easter and then come April 13th, we're still here. And then they're just devastated. So I think managing expectations is very important. I think that we have to accept that this moment, we don't really have an end date. We have, you know, which kind of, you know, look, I'm a very, I schedule things out months in advance. I'm a very organized, you know, calendar. And so this is very stressful for me too. And I feel it, but I'm really trying to just kind of live each day because that's all we've got right now, you know, and that's what we have to just kind of hold on to is we know we're going to get through each day and eventually there will be an answer. I just don't know if Easter is it. Well, I want to do this. I want to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about fear, how couples handle fear differently. And, you know, what it is that Jacqueline could share with us that her years of experience and seeing what with my friend, who is a lawyer, says the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and plus, uh, what we can do when couples have fear and anxiety show up in this time today. The other thing we're going to talk about is for those of you that are out there, we're going to talk about, well, what if both of you have been working and now both of you are home? How about the patterns and the behaviors? What might you still be doing? What could we share with you to help and get smooched? I'm telling you, we're getting street smart right here with COVID-19. Jacqueline, before we do that, how do people find out more about you? And then we're also going to talk about the Divorce Women's Club. Sure. So um, you can find me on uh, New York, well, you can find me in my law firm, which is uh, Berkman, Bachter, and Newman and & Schein. Website is www.berkbot.com, B-E-R-K-B-O-T.com. And also I have a website, uh, nycdivorcelawyer.com. Yeah. And b- by the way, folks, when you go to that website, what you're going to find is a lot of information, but you're also going to be looking at Jacqueline's books. There's a press room, legal services, a lot of information, tons here, but this is all in the spirit of knowing what you can do, perhaps things you haven't thought about today. And we are taking your calls, 1-800-930-2819, or post a question on Facebook, Transformation Talk Radio. When we come back, what are we going to help people with, with the fear thing? Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to transform your life and embrace magical experiences? Talking to Tannis with your host, Tannis McRae, is here to help you find your joy in life. Tune in live every first and third Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Let's awaken your experience and create the change necessary to take back your right to choose who you are. For more about Tannis, visit TalkingToTannis.com. Have you ever wondered what your pets think about? Do you know what your pets are saying to you? Dr. Monica will be your pet's translator to help you understand what your pets are trying to communicate to you. Enhance the bond with your furry friends on Pets Talk with Pet Communicator, Dr. Monica, each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about Dr. Monica, visit PetCommunicator.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. 
For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. Raising the vibrations through stimulating conversations while exploring the mysteries of Atlantis and Lemuria on Tales from the Mer World Radio with me, Amirabeth. Join us every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Be ready to feel empowered and an active part of the changing earth. For more information about me, visit Amirabeth.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's so ha- I'm, it's really awesome to have you here. And I was just getting some advice from Jacqueline Newman during the break here. And I think that was great advice. I just need to pass it along to, to uh, Jessica. One of the things I do want to encourage everyone to do is really check out the website. Uh, and it's New York City, but it's NYC divorcelawyer.com. And when you get there, what you're going to do is you're going to find a lot of information about Jacqueline, but you're going to find also her book. And what you're going to see when you see here, you're going to take a look at the new rules of divorce. You have 12 secrets to protecting your wealth, health, and happiness, right? Um, And this is a fabulous book. But what's also in here is it's honest, it's straight, And in my opinion, it is street smart because one of the things you're not told during divorce or contemplating divorce, you're really not told certain aspect of the process and about yourself, which you may not know. And so today, I want to make sure all of you know that about her and her body of work. And she's joining us here today to take on something very, very important. And that is that regardless of whether or not you're in a situation with COVID-19, divorce goes on. And as a matter of fact, some of the uh, statistics I shared about a month ago with the rate of uh, increased divorce rates and chronic illness, it's off the chart. But today we wanna bring information from an expert and that's who she is. The book is fabulous, but I wanna say this, this is a book that you can learn a lot from whether or not you're planning divorce or not. Jacqueline, it's great to have you here. Um, what do you think about, I, I found the book really to be so insightful, right? Um, it's almost like after the fact, I'm looking at the book like in my divorce was 15 years ago, but I'm still looking at the book with a different lens. Uh, and I wanna talk about that for a minute because you have a wealth of knowledge. How are you applying that wealth of knowledge and what you talk about in the book to the times we're living in today? So one of the things that, you know, I'm trying to do, I mean, when I wrote the book, obviously, 
I didn't think about COVID-19. But one right. of the things that I do with all of my clients, and you know, the book definitely does talk about this, is I say, are you sure you want to get divorced? It's one of the first questions I ask clients when they come into my office. It's because divorce is expensive, it's emotionally expensive, it's financially expensive, and it's very hard to turn back from. So you need to make sure that this is what you, you are sure that this is what you want to do. And if someone pauses even for a moment, I say, go to therapy. I said, I want you to be in marriage counseling. I want to make sure, I want you to look at me and say, I 100% ready and get divorced. Assuming that you're the one doing it. If not, you're, you know, if your spouse wants to do it, you get divorced too. But the point being is that, you know, during this time of COVID-19, one of the things that now I'm looking at the book in almost a new lens myself and saying, okay, this book really, the first couple of chapters talks about like, are you sure? You know, it talks about what it looks like to get divorced. It kind of, I don't mean to scare people, but you should be scared because you should know what you're getting into. And it's all about education. It's making educated decisions. And I obviously talk about the process too. But now that people are going to be living in these circumstances, and, you know, as we talked about before, emotions are going to be high. People that were questioning are going to feel like they've gotten their answers on whether this marriage can work. And I feel like I'd almost want them to read the book now when they're contemplating it and they're scared and get educated because if they read this book and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not ready to get divorced for all these different reasons. I checklist, I have all these things you want to talk about or financially, this doesn't make sense for me to get divorced. They may behave differently while they're in quarantine because, you know, right now people are probably angry. I mean, you know, definitely feelings and we're only in the beginning of it possibly assuming we don't get out by you know, Easter, but we're in this situation where I feel like I want people to recognize that divorce might not be their answer. And if divorce is not their answer, it may make them behave differently in quarantine and learn to communicate and kind of get to, you know, what your your listener had asked before, to work on their house a lot more. And that might ultimately facilitate communication and facilitate a more healthy environment while we're living in this artificial world. Yeah. I mean, I love, first of all, that we are touching so many hearts. I mean, I'm getting a couple of comments coming in on Facebook. Um, and, you know, what's so powerful about our listeners, uh, we get so many words of wisdoms, wisdom. So to that, to that, you know, we're getting suggestions that say, look, your word should be your bond, right? You know, there are things that people are looking at in this conversation today, and they're thinking about what are the aspects of my relationship that come to bear? What are the aspects of my relationship that may be put to the test right now? And, and you know, one of the things that Benny and I did the other day is, and I, and, and I, did, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but one of the things I said is, look, if you're both used to getting up and going to a job, right, maybe you don't want to change that. You know, maybe you still want to get up, take a shower, you, you know, you may want to do those things that you would normally do and not deviate from them, especially now we have people working from home. So I want to ask you, the working from home thing, doesn't that even present challenges to couples? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's, yeah. So first of all, I mean, again, you know, in New York City, you know, no matter how big your apartment is, it's never big enough. So it's never big enough. You know, and you, a lot of people aren't living in very large apartments. You know, some people have one bedroom, possibly two bedrooms. So they've got one common area. And so, you know, you've got, you know, and clients have sent me pictures of like everyone's laptops all like kind of lined up and, you know, everyone's in this like computer world. So absolutely. I mean, working from home is adding a whole nother level of challenge to be able to sit and have these kind of, you know, everyone's now doing these telephone conferences. They're doing the Zoom conferences, you know, 
you know, my dog is running around upstairs. You know, normally I'd be doing this in my office. I wouldn't have to worry about these things. So I think that adds another level. And again, with kids now getting all of their work being sent home, so you've got homeschooling, you've got working from home, you've got close quarters, and you need silence sometimes in some of these calls. And so it's absolutely going to take these to new levels. But to also address, we were talking about the scheduling. I think it depends on the person, but a lot of people I know are waking up doing exactly the same thing. You know, my daughter, who's in middle school, we set up originally a schedule of what would work for them. And she actually said, you know what? I want to do it differently. I want to follow my school schedule. She's like, I want to wake up and I want to do Japanese at this point. I want to do math at this point. Like she wanted to follow the same schedule. Which, you know, I said, you do what you want to do. But she, you know, people want a routine. I mean, especially when you're feeling that life is so chaotic outside, anything you can control, such as your routine, is something a lot of people want to be in control of. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to talk about this. You know, we are we are considered in our state an essential business. So we and especially in the building we're in, we're in a building where we we share the building space with people that absolutely have to disinfect all the way the emergency medical people. And so, you know, we don't have to say to our folks, you have to come in. And the reason we're okay in doing that is because we have the technology we built. So we gave Olivia and Zach a choice. You know, do you want to come in or do you want to run these shows and have your own studio from home? And so we gave them that choice. We didn't have to do that. But for me, it's not what we're going to, to, to do. Uh, what we do today is going to have long-term effects I think that's true in the workplace, and I think that's true in relationships. And I want to get to a prediction you made, and I totally agree with you on this. And I think what you said is, you know, my prediction is, this is you now, that months after home quarantine, we will see a spike in births and uh, for the couples that bonded and in divorce for the couples that don't. I also believe that that, if you take that as a metaphor for businesses, you will see the same thing. <laughs> I absolutely agree. So I'm the managing partner of my law firm. And so, and we did a full shutdown of everyone before everybody else did. And I will tell you my employees, because for me, you know, it wasn't worth it. Like I'm not willing to have it on my head. That me either. You know, I care about my people too much and we can figure everything out. And, you know, and I had my first staff, you know, Zoom meeting today with all my little, all the little heads, the Brady Bunch heads. And then, you know, tomorrow I have my whole firm meeting with all the attorneys and we're making it work. But I will tell you, I, I mean, my employees have told me how appreciative they were that, you know, now everybody has to be home, but I did it before all of that happened. And I agree with you. I think that it, you know, it won a huge amount of goodwill. It was genuine. Like I really did not want my people in. And I think things like that, like, I agree. I think that this is kind of a make it or break it situation for many people, but it also shows a lot of character of who people are. You know, you always say in times of, you know, in times of crisis is how is someone going to react to that? That's kind of like in a marriages, I think it's such an important thing to know how your spouse is going to react when it comes down to it. Like, cause that's what, in my opinion, kind of counts. And so this is giving people opportunities. So for an example, it could be positive to the degree that, so yes, you know, he doesn't put the dishes in the sink. I mean, the dishes in the dishwasher and the laundry seems to, you know, the laundry basket's right there, but the socks somehow are always on the floor. <laughs> you know, things like that. That's annoying. I get it. Toilet seat up. I get all that. But when push comes to shove, and if, you know, your spouse is truly there for you, for your anxieties, when we talked about fear, which I know you want to talk about, yeah. if they're truly supportive for you and your family and everything during that, 
it is going to make all the rest of it seem so petty and silly. And so those are the opportunities I think that this kind of situation can provide for families and, and really strengthen them. Yeah. You know, I got a call from two of my clients not too long ago and exactly the scenario you and I are talking about today, right? You know, a number of different children now in the home, right? Different ages, the whole thing. A couple new puppies, by the way, throw them into the pot. And so the question they asked me is, we don't know what to do. They're like, we can't even do a Zoom with you, Pat. We don't, what do we do? And, you know, I had the weirdest answer for them. I really did. I said, you know what you can do? You guys need to have your quiet time every day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you both to get a couple of candles. I want you to take yourselves for 15 minutes into your bathroom, shut the door, light the candles, and communicate. Because kids know bathrooms are like off limits, generally speaking. But these are the things we have to start to think about, right? Um, But I do want to get back to something else you said, because it really feeds the fear. I want to talk with you about this. Um, About three or four days ago, maybe last week, I did something that's really quite unusual for my personality. I said to my entire team, especially my producers, I said, you guys need to fill out a detailed calendar. And I can tell you, and they're listening now, I am pretty sure that the day that my first boss told me to fill out the calendar, there was so much fire in my eyes, I didn't know what to do. But I did it. And they did it. And there's a reason for doing it. I had a funny feeling this day would come where we would probably not all be together. Structure, as much as I'm a quadruple Sagittarius, as much as I grit my teeth, I think structure sometimes can help dilute the effects of fear. I don't know. What have you found with couples? I I absolutely think so as well. And, you know, and again, you know, even using the example of my, you know, my daughter and the fact that she needed that structure. And I think, I think it has to do with control. I think it has to do with just kind of knowing what comes next. And when, you know, they always say it's the fear of the unknown. I mean, that is what so incredibly anxiety provoking. It brings us all the way back to what we were talking about before. But if you can kind of take control of your day and kind of say, okay, I know what's going to happen at two o'clock. I know what's going to happen at three o'clock. And I'm going to have to live like that for right now because that's what I've got. It gives a calm, you know, because you have prediction, you know what's going to happen. You have control over it. I mean, right now we're in a world where we don't have control, you know, and it's not even like there's a specific bad guy. You know, even if you look at 9-11, I mean, to me, this is this feels a little like that where you just don't know what to turn and you don't know what's coming next. And it's just so scary. But that was almost in a weird way, kind of at least there was a bad guy. There was a villain. There was someone that you can kind of go after. I mean, there were many people, but it was a concept. This is your neighbor. This is your friend. Like you're scared of every single person, the social distancing. And, you know, I mean, your best friend, you're, you know, you have to stay six feet away from me. I mean, it's, it's not what you're naturally doing. And so I think the fear of that is just so overwhelming. And there doesn't seem to be, a, there's no cure right now. There's no stopping it at this moment. There will be. I have absolutely all confidences that there will be. And I know that our lives will return to some level of normality. It might not be what we had before, but there will be something that will feel normal and right to us. 
You just don't know when that's going to be. And so that's very scary. Yeah. I, I want to get back to your prediction because this really talks right to it. And I, and I really believe that when people also read your book too, for those of you just tuning in, I want to make sure that you know that my very special guest today is Jacqueline Newman. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you can find out more about Jacqueline, go to the website NYC, that's for New York City, NYCDivorceLawyer.com, and you're going to see the book. The New Rules of Divorce, right? The 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. But in this book, there's so much street smart. I'm telling you, the book could have been called something else. It could have been, I don't want to give for a book a new name. That's just not, that's just not right to do that, Pat. But what I'm trying to say, I, I know, I'm going to give you the name of your next book, though, when we're done today. Um, but here's the thing I want to get back to. That prediction, right? I totally agree with you, like 500 million percent. But there are things I think we can do to make that pendulum swing one way or the other. There are things that I know you're helping people do. So let me just pop something out. Even though I'm having my producers sit down and do a detailed ca uh, calendar that would just make anybody crazy, next week, we're going to continue to meet with them when they're working from home. And we are asking them to do really creative things with our shows. That's what we'll be doing because we need to be creative now. And do you think that creativity and innovation will help couples either be a rise in birth or divorce? How does creativity factor in perhaps for families that are not used to being creative? I think you have no choice but to be creative nowadays. Yeah. You have to figure out workarounds like on everything. You know, even, you know, I had my staff meeting this morning, we were talking about certain things and we're like, we're going to figure out a workaround because you have to. And I do agree. I think that, you know, families and children, you know, and especially when you have young children, you know, I have clients that are like, I'm creating my world to be Disneyland because I have to keep my child occupied. And so people are, you know, they're, they're digging in deep. And I think they're finding, you know, some people that, again, who have younger children or even somewhat older children, they're finding their inner child, which I think is wonderful. You know, I mean, you're watching movies. I'm teaching my kids certain card games that I played growing up. I mean, you're doing things that you never had the time to do before. You didn't have the patience. And, you know, your child wasn't in your face at 24-7 for you to have to do these things. And now they are. And I do think that there's going to be strengths that are going to come, like strengths and relationships that are going to, result, you know, come out of this. But I agree that I think that it's also going to weaken many others as well. And it all depends on how you handle it. Yeah. You know, what the foundation is and how you move forward with it. Yeah, I, like, for example, let me give people some advice right now. I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to answer a question that came in with this set of advice. Here you go. So you're doing a puzzle with your kids, right? And the, and the child that I referred to with the strawberry, right, strawberry jam, that child, gets the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just layered with grape jam now. And you're all doing the puzzle together. And somehow, in some strange way, as a child does the peanut butter and jelly falls all over the puzzle pieces. It's not life or death. And I think if we can remember that, right, and not react, we will do an enormous service. Because, you know, one of the things, Jacqueline, that you know in your history is the way we act today in a time of crisis, the memory banks that we have in our cognition will remember that for years to come. And it's so important to remember about how we treat each other now. 
I agree. And I think that this whole situation has given us such a level of perspective that, you know, because, I mean, no one would have believed something like this would have happened to us, you know, and especially in the United States. Like, no, you know, we're free, you know, and the fact that now we don't feel as free and we can't go to the grocery store and I can't go get my nails done and we can't, you know, do whatever, that doesn't feel free to us. And so the idea that we'd be in this position is, is just mind-boggling. It's not anything you'd ever think of. But at the end of the day, I think that you have now perspective. I think exactly what you're saying. So you know what? So your jelly, you know, your pieces have a little extra jelly on it. One day that will be a funny story. You yes. know, it should be a funny story now. But if you, if you can't totally get there, you will one day. You know, because you'll be like, oh, remember when Billy was four years old and that was so funny. And, you know, like you'll remember these things. So you're given the opportunity to make memories that you never had the time and the situation to do before. And, you know, and again, even with kids, like, you know, I was saying to my kids, like, they're part of history right now. Like, my kids can't believe I lived through 9-11. I'm going to say your kids are going to turn to you and say, I can't believe you lived through COVID-19. Like, what was that like? Like, you're creating memories, you're creating history. There's a lot. And again, I'm not saying this is a positive thing. I don't want to spin it too far. But I do think that there are positives that are going to come out of it. However, you know, to go back to what you're saying, if it's not handled correctly, I think that it will push the clients or the the families that were kind of on the edge over the brink. Yeah. You know what I love about talking about this with you is the following. One is you have seen it all pretty much, but you also know, and people will find this out when they go to your website, you understand what, what happens with women in divorce. I think you call it a true sisterhood. And I believe that what I'm also finding is, you know, we're getting very, very, very creative. So let me just let me just ask you this. Back in 9-11, I think most of us, I, I was I'm from New York, right? At the time, I didn't feel there was anything I could do. But thereafter, I did an entire show and campaign, gone into New York about the firefighters and how sick they were getting. So I knew I could do that then. This is different in that we can do things now, even though we are in our homes. We can donate to the food banks. Do you know our food banks here don't have food for kids, for babies here? We can do things now. Um, you know, fashion designers are, instead of weaving fashion, they're, they're weaving masks. Do you find that families perhaps might come together around a common cause as a family to get innovative and provide a solution for some aspect of this. I hope so. And I do think so. I think that there, I mean, the, you know, beyond like the actual things that need to be done, which I completely support, such as, you know, getting all sorts of protective gear for our medical. I mean, I could go on a whole show about that. I feel very strongly about all of that. But I think also there are so many psychological impacts of it. You know, I know, um, you know, my, my babysitter who was very close to my family, I know she's doing a lot of food shopping for, you know, elderly people that she knows. There are all sorts of things you can do for your community, you know, even just the check-in. You know, I have certain friends that, you know, live by themselves and, you know, don't have families. And I'm checking in on them regularly just because I want them to have this type of contact. I think that there's a lot we can be doing for our community as a whole. And then obviously we can be doing a lot for first responders and the people that really are on the front lines of this, our doctors and our nurses and, you know, our policemen and everyone else who's really doing everything they can to keep us as safe as possible. Yeah. And, you know, this is really what I love about this and talking with you. And I know you're doing a lot of interviews. There are ideas we get and we don't think they're important. Right. 
like I am like bizarre about tattooing. I'm allergic to, to the ink of tattoos. So I'm what you call a frustration person that in another lifetime, I probably will be a tattoo artist, right? Just saying. Um, but because I know so much about it, I called my um, doctor friends and I said, how are you guys doing with your gloves? And they're like, oh my God, we can't keep enough gloves. I said, go Google tattoo gloves. Because I said, this is an entire segment of gloves that you can get, right, uh, that tattoo artists wear. And I said, you know, we, we traditionally don't think out of the box, right? So we don't think about like these uh, uh, neutral, neutral tattoo gloves, they're black. So I go grocery shopping, I got my black gloves on. So we don't think about it. But we can share that level of information and say, look, you these gloves are just as clean, right? They're tattoo gloves as any medical glove. And I think if we did more of that and created that forum, we could also help people and couples as well, just like you're doing, Jacqueline. No, no, I agree. I mean, that's a great, that's something I would not have thought of. So like, I think that it is really great. Everybody brings their own stash of knowledge. And I think that as a community, you know, when I say community, I mean, all of us can really combine that knowledge and hopefully get, you know, get results and just help people get through this. That's the goal here. It is. I want to thank you for today. And boy, so much that you're doing to help people. Um, please make sure we have your website again. And then I would like to ask you what your personal message is. What would you like to leave us with today? You know, I think the personal message really is that, again, that we will get through this. I think people need to be strong. I think people need to be sensitive. I think that everybody has to recognize that we're all kind of in our personal worlds right now, but we're a collective world too. And, you know, I think you should be helping each other. I think in the family, you know, specifically speaking, realize that this is a blip and don't read into everything that happens here as the be all end all and be sensitive. And most, most, most important, take care of your kids. I think that the kids are really scared. I think this is a scary time for them. Parents are kind of wrapped in themselves, but I think it's really important to assure your kids that things are going to be okay because, you know, it's just hard for them to really understand it. It's hard for adults, but it's much harder for it is very hard. We forget that. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Where can people get a copy of your book? Uh, they can get it on Amazon. Uh, they can get it on Barnes & Noble. It's pretty much everywhere where books are sold. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for coming out and uh, really providing very important information for people that really are lost about what to do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right, everybody. We're going to take a short break. We're not done yet. When we come back, uh, guess what Jason and Patricia Roan have created? A fun hand washing to music challenge. We're going to be posting their videos because you know what? This is something we can do some really fun stuff with to get the message out. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.